podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey Cobbers, from the land down under. This is the Cricket Badger Big Bash Daily Podcast. Whether you're with the Strikers, the Stars or the Sixers, you might be a renegade, enjoy the heat, love the thunder, like a scorcher or prefer hurricanes. Brought to you in association with bluecrocodile.co.uk. Tie your kangaroo down, put another shrimp on the barbie and enjoy the fun. It's gonna be a ripper. Big Bash 10. Hello everybody, welcome to the final Cricket Badger podcast of the year 2020. What a strange year it has been. Roll on 2021 and this is the Big Bash Daily. Thank you to bluecrocodile.co.uk for their support of the Big Bash podcasts. And I'm joined by Ash Turner and Michael Baldwin of the Top Order podcast. Michael, it's a, not far off midnight where you are at the moment. The dedication to the cause is admirable and you get awarded your cricket badger, county cap or whatever the equivalent would be in podcast form for uh, being on the show tonight. H- happy New Year to you. Yes, just gone past midnight here. Fireworks going off, uh, leftovers from Guy Fawkes night a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Uh, but thank you very much, James. An honour to be on the podcast again. And uh, to all your listeners, uh, compliments of the season. Happy New Year to you all by the time you listen to this one. And uh, let's hope that 2021 eclipses 2020. I'm very much looking forward to saying Arrivederci, Kia ora, Sayonara, Dasvidanya, Au revoir, whatever language of your choice, uh, to 2020. It's been a hell of a year worldwide, and I'm uh, looking forward to the next one. Well, this is the first Cricket Badger podcast, I think, where we've been in two different years uh, in terms of the personnel on the podcast. Ash, you're with me as well, and uh, Perscorch is getting close. Uh, we're just looking at the table prior to pressing record. This win tonight against the Adelaide Strikers to claim the Jason Gillespie Trophy as well, this uh, traditional New Year's Eve game in the Big Bash. Perscorch is looking as if they're on course for four points this evening, 133 for three, they are. They need another 14 runs from 24 balls. And it makes the table look a bit better, doesn't it? Perth courses will be off the bottom. Everything kind of cramps up a little bit. And we can go into 2021 with a, a real big bash with everybody in the fight. Yeah, it really will help the competition, this victory tonight for the Scorchers. It was looking like the top five were starting to pull away. And I know um, on the last couple of podcasts, there's been a bit of talk of whether the top five now was only really between maybe six teams. But I think the Scorchers getting a win on the board today and now having, obviously, Livingston and Roy back means they opens back up again. And we're now looking at seven, maybe even eight teams who've still got a chance of being in them knockout rounds. And after we press uh, stop on the recording the other day, Michael, when you were on, you were talking about the fact that Perth and Brisbane, etc., had a, a run of home games early on in the new year, which they need to take advantage of, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. If Perth Scorchers or the Brisbane Heat are going to upset the apple cart and sneak into that top five, they're going to have to make a good use of their upcoming home stand. So Perth play four games in, I think, nine days. Brisbane, likewise, uh, in early January at their home ground. So for the Perth Scorchers in particular, home ground advantage has a bit of meaning in Australia because, of course, you have to fly across the country from the East Coast to the West Coast, and that's always a difficult trip. Uh, so the Perth Scorchers definitely have a home ground advantage uh, playing at home over the next four or five games. And they're going to have to go three and one, you would think, or better uh, to make a dent in that top side. And if they're able to do so, that would really put the cat amongst the pigeons with those uh, Melbourne and Sydney sides in particular looking pretty dominant so far in this tournament. In changing times like these, make a change yourself. Buy your own home. 
still living with parents or renting? Why not buy your first property? Mortgage rates are lower than ever. Speak to Blue Crocodile. Blue Crocodile? Yeah, Blue Crocodile. They'll get you the right first time buy a deal by searching the market for the most competitive option for you. They don't bite, they're just straight talking people like me. Give them a bell or go online. Blue Crocodile. 13 needed for Perth Scorchers to claim their first victory of BBL10. They nudge another single, so it's 12 required from the remaining 21 balls for Perth to uh, get up and running in terms of the win column. Let's have a run through the game today. And uh, Perth Scorchers chasing 147 to win after Adelaide Strikers made 146 for 9 in their 20 overs. We saw runs for Alex Carey, the captain, wicketkeeper captain. 82 from him off 59. He was the glue that held everything together, really. 59 balls, 12 fours and 1-6. The only six of the uh, strikers' innings there. We saw wickets for Jai Richardson, three for 19. Two for 21 for Aaron Hardy as well. And then in reply, Perth Scorchers, Jason Roy and Liam Livingston, the two English players opening the innings. Roy, 49 from 32. Livingston, eight. Colin Monroe, then six. And then Joss English and Mitchell Marsh have come together. 34 not out and 37 not out, respectively. Look as if they're going to take these scorches home. You were telling me, Ash, um, that you were listening to uh, some comments that Ricky Ponting was making about how he was a little bit annoyed with the way the Perth Scorchers had lined up today. Jason Roy, Liam Livingston, Colin Monroe, the three overseas players in the top three positions in the Perth order. Ricky Ponting suggesting that some of the Australians should be given a chance right at the top. Yeah, I found it a bit of an interesting point from Ponting. He said that he was disappointed by the Scorchers. He felt that English, the definite, should be in the top three. And that really thought there should be maybe another Aussie, particularly a younger one in the top three. Um, he, he wasn't very impressed. He said that he felt that this tournament should be used as much to obviously promote Aussie talent and that he felt the Scorchers having their three internationals as the opening three batsmen wasn't helping that. I think it might have been Lara though who sort of said at the end of the day it's a big tournament, it's a major franchise tournament, it's about winning at the end of the day and I've got to say I, I can't say I necessarily agree with Ponting. Michael, I mean, Ricky Ponting's right in a way. It would obviously be nice for Australia to have a load of young blood being blooded and gaining lots of experience. It's a little bit of a face-off. Peter Siddle and uh, Mitch Marsh just having a bit of a contretemps in the uh, middle of the wicket. Siddle's not happy with something there. It's fair, I don't know whether it was play-acting or not, because it's finished with a big smile. But uh, Siddle walks away, has a bit of a chunter about something that's been going on in the middle there. But back to the, the point there, Michael. Of course, it would be nice to have a load of youngsters getting experience, but... As uh, Brian Lara said to Ricky Ponting, it's all about winning at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's about winning. And what's the point of having uh, marquee overseas players that bat at the top of the order like Munro and Jason Roy if you're not going to bat them at the top of the order? So, uh, look, I see Ricky Ponting's point. It would be wonderful to see Josh Inglis at the top. He's moved down the order to give them a bit of a, a better balance to the look of their batting lineup. And it seems to have worked for the Scorchers. They're about to notch their first win of the tournament so it looks like the tactic is is proving uh, fruitful come on the scorchers they're my team in big bash 10 and they get another run there so it's nine required from 17 with danny briggs uh, coming into the attack with his uh, spin bowling so per scorchers doing really nicely here two established batsmen just kind of working it through pitch still still having a chunter about something i'm not sure what's upset him and um, be interesting though ash wouldn't it to go back through ricky ponting's teams in when he's been in charge of the ipl teams and bbl teams to see if he's actually put that uh, mantra interaction. I haven't had the time to actually check that, but I know in the IPL this last time, he, he did have a few young players in there, but they tended to come in further down the order from memory. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, actually, because as you say, I don't, off the top of my head, remember Ponting being a particularly avid um, supporter of getting young talent in and the IPL, as you say. I mean, I know there was quite a lot of comments earlier in the test series about the fact that he was pointing out problems with Trippie Shaw's technique, and yet for several weeks he'd been working with him as head coach and hadn't sorted out those problems, which are now helping Australia, which <laughs> yeah. brought a few. Yeah. Raised a few eyebrows with the Indian fans. Actually, I mean, so. t- thinking about the Capitals, the way they played in the IPL, they did have, have Indian talents at the top of the order, but they were established Indian talent. They weren't youngsters. It was Shikha Darwin, pretty sure who is a youngster, but still established, and, and Treyas Ayer, who is not a youngster, who is their captain. So he was blessed with being able to play Indians at the top of the order because they put all of their money into buying bowlers predominantly. Yeah, I think he'd got, he'd got the right players, as you say, to do that. He didn't need to use sort of the, the international players and international players he had didn't really weren't suited to to opening the the batting so yeah I think it's just an odd one because I think Scorchers have clearly gone out and got it overseas and that are going to always bat in the top three or four and people like Ashton Turner Bancroft English are probably actually better suited to being that little bit lower down so I don't quite get his point if I'm being totally honest Per Scorchers have won by seven wickets well played the team in orange my team I am the Badger fan rep for the Perth Scorchers, so I'm rather happy that they've actually finally got up and running. They were my tip to win this competition. If they're going to, they're going to have to win quite a few more games yet. But uh, they finished 2020. Hopefully, they will start 2021 from my perspective. Perth Scorchers win by seven wickets to take all four points as well because they take the bash boost point. And the way that leaves the table, Sydney Sixers, Sydney Thunder, obviously still top of the uh, table. How about Hurricanes? Adelaide Strikers, they stay in fourth place now on 13 points. Then you've got the Melbourne Stars on 10. And uh, Perscorchers go up to six points and in sixth place in the Big Bash League, usurping Brisbane Heat and the Melbourne Renegades, who go bottom of the pile. BlueCrocodile.co.uk Sort your mortgage in a snap. Are you a first-time buyer with your eyes on that dream house? Are you wanting to move or looking for a better mortgage deal? Let Blue Crocodile find the right mortgage for you. 10% deposit mortgages are returning. If you need to know how much you can afford to borrow, just visit bluecrocodile.co.uk. Let's choose our bluecrocodile.co.uk player of today's match then. Um, start with you, Michael, if you uh, want to nominate your player. Tough to leave Alex Carey's 82 out of a discussion about the player of the match, but ultimately, in a losing side, I don't think it's all that fair to give it to him. I'm tr- struggling to split Jason Roy and Josh Inglis at the moment. He finished uh, 40-odd not out and Jason Roy 49. So I'd, I think I'd have to give it to Jason Roy's 49 at the top. But mentioned in dispatches, Jai Richardson's 3 for 19 set up the win for the Perth Scorchers and, and Josh Inglis and Mitch Marsh brought it home. So those are the guys mentioned in dispatches, but Jason Roy probably has to get it for mine and a pretty good all-round effort for the Perth side. What about you, Ash? Um, I don't think there's any particular standouts as such today, whereas there has been quite a few in the recent games. I think Jason Roy, it was good to see him back in form, but I'm going to go with Jai Richardson. I think he bowled so well, and the bowling effort from both him and Hardy was just so important to the Scorchers and never letting the strikers get away from them and so, yeah, I'm going to go with Jai Richardson. Well, I am the person that makes the decision on this one. Obviously, if Adelaide Strikers had won today, I think it would have been very easy. Alex Carey would have been the, the player of the match, but he ended up on the losing side. I've listened to your suggestions, and I'm going to go against you. I'm actually going to give the bluecrocodile.co.uk cricketer of today's match to Josh Inglis. I thought he came in in a situation where 
Perth Scorchers have obviously got into a losing mentality. Jason Rudd played very well nicely at the top of the order, but he didn't see it through. And English came together with Mitch Marsh there with a bit of pressure on them because if they'd lost their wickets early, um, Perth Scorchers could have fallen in a pile again and it could have been the uh, an end to 2020 that they wouldn't wanted to have to experience. So I think Josh English showed a little bit of nous there to see Perth Scorchers home and across the line in what turned out to be very comfortable style. So today's bluecrocodile.co.uk cricketer of the match is Josh Inglis with his 44 from 31 balls. Mortgages are simpler than you think when you have a crocodile on your side. Blue Crocodile, making mortgages snappy and simple. Visit bluecrocodile.co.uk, follow them on Twitter at bluecrocmoney or find them on Facebook. Blue Crocodile. Let's finish off today. It's obviously New Year's Eve. Um, Michael's already in next year. Ash and myself are a few hours away yet in the UK. Um, But we've seen far more cricket this year, guys, than I anticipated when COVID pandemic first hit us back in March. I certainly didn't expect to see too much happening in England. And then we've seen, obviously, the IPL, the Big Bash and Test Series being played around the world now with bio bubbles, etc. I think the authorities have done a, a terrific job to get things going and to get cricket back up and running. Much needed because the finances are huge, aren't they, to keep the game afloat and keep the game healthy. But I think we'll finish off today's podcast, the last knockings of 2020, the final words of the Cricket Badger podcast this year, by talking about our favourite moments of the year that we've uh, experienced cricket-wise. Michael, where would you take me for your moment of uh, 2020? Well, in contemplating this, I had to go all the way back to March in the Melbourne Cricket Ground for the final of the ICC Women's T20 World Cup, of course, played in front of a record crowd, 86,000 people filling the Melbourne Cricket Ground back in March to watch Australia play India in the World Cup final. And that's my moment for 2020, not because of the result, Australia, a pretty convincing win over India in that final, but because I think we'll look back in five or 10 or 20 years time on that particular game as a watershed moment for women's cricket worldwide. 86,000 people filling the MCG for the final of a women's game is something that was very dear to to my heart as, as someone who has a family member playing women's cricket. And I think for the development of the women's game worldwide, I think this is going to be an almost a watershed moment for getting a wider and much more engaged audience for women's cricket worldwide. And I think that's a good thing for the game generally to get um, young women, young girls involved in cricket and seeing their heroes perform on the biggest stages is a fantastic thing. So in all of the appreciation and, and, and gratitude that I have for being able to watch cricket in England and, and against the West Indies and Pakistan and, and kudos has to go to them for touring um, in the midst of a pandemic and, and, and getting cricket back on track and, and all of all the stuff that goes along with that, all of the, you know, the ancillary stuff that goes along with bringing people together that can happen in cricket. The ICC Women's World Cup final is, is my moment for 2020. How much of a disappointment would it be for women's game after having such a, a high point in March to have then had COVID and not been able to maybe just kind of pass on the baton and, and try and um, and milk that and make make uh, the the women's game right off the back of that final? Or do, or do you see, you know, post-COVID when crowds are allowed back in to their full extent that it, everything will just get back to normal? People will be so desperate to see cricket that the women's game will thrive. Well, I think we've already seen the return of some games in women's cricket. Australia played New Zealand in a series in uh, Brisbane at Allen Border Field uh, earlier in the summer. There's been reasonable attendance and, and great TV audiences, actually, for the Women's Big Bash that's now its own standalone tournament. And that's another step forward for the women's game in Australia, of course. The New Zealand women's super smashes are played back-to-back with the men's games here in New Zealand. So there's a lot more 
uh, widespread engagement in the women's game in New Zealand because fans are going to watch both games. And we've had people talk about the benefits of that from from an exposure point of view. So domestically, at least in this part of the world, uh, things have continued uh, on in, in good fashion. But of course, it's not just about the big four nations in men's or women's cricket. It's about getting uh, that women's game and participation in the women's game out to a much wider audience. And we haven't seen that as much post-COVID. But I'm hopeful that the financial success of the men's game will will allow cricket to uh, expand the amount of games that women are able to play. And, and we've seen some great strides made in terms of the financial backing and the financial improvement in the way that women's players are paid, at least at the top end. So um, I'm hopeful that 2021 will see a growth of the women's game again, but it's all about getting those girls back on the field in countries like Bangladesh and Sri Lanka and, and to a lesser extent, you know, South Africa and, and, and those kind of nations as well that have a strong history of, of women's cricket. What about you, Ash? Where would you take me over the last 12 months? Um, there's been so many great moments, to be fair, which is surprising when you think back in probably March, we were expecting no real cricket. I was tempted to not go international and actually go for Ben Duckett's redemption in the T20 blast, but I'm going to have to go international. I'm going to have to go for the moment that I think will probably be the most remembered moment from this year for when, when we look back in the future, and that's got to be Anderson's 600 wicket. To be the first fast bowler to get to 600 wickets is such a great achievement. And after the Stuart board drop and run out, and it just getting to that point where you sort of thought, oh, he's, he's just not going to get the chance this summer to, to get that 600 wicket. For him to get it was just brilliant. And I think that'll be replayed and talked about for many, many years. It's strange, isn't it, when you think about, you know, as England supporters, as English men, we're watching the, the test team. We've had ups and downs with the England test team over the last few decades. But to have Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson in the same side, either of those two would walk into any other test side in the world. They're playing together as a combination, it's one of those almost like pinch yourself, make sure you remember this moment because they're not going to be around forever and we need to value them while they're around, don't we? Yeah, I think it's amazing how sometimes people almost take them for granted and people almost seem to want to write them off and say they're too old, but clearly not. They clearly keep going. And as you say, they, they walk into any side across the globe in Red Bull cricket and we're just so lucky to have them both at the same time and then to have them supported by such good bowlers now like Woke, Archer, Sam Curran. You've got to say England's bowling's looking really good and we're just hoping that the batting can, can match up in 2021. And Michael, you're in New Zealand. Are they dancing in the streets because New Zealand are now the number one test match nation? Yeah, certainly great recognition for many, many years of, of hard toil for New Zealand. They've, uh, again, riding on the back of two incredible fast bowlers. You mentioned Broad and Anderson there and Anderson really would have to go down now as perhaps the greatest fast bowler of all time on the back of his longevity and his ability to take wickets in all conditions. But for New Zealand, Trent Bolt, Tim Southey have been outstanding workhorses. And, and really, this side has got six guys that could be in the greatest 11 for New Zealand in the history of Test cricket, all playing in the same team. You throw Kane Williamson, Williamson in there. Of course, Ross Taylor became the most uh, capped black cap of all time in the Boxing Day Test. So they've got players like England who've had really long, successful careers and it's all, you know, come to, to a culmination now with Gary Stead in charge at New Zealand are, are so dominant at home that they've become the number one test side in the world and, and kudos to them because they've, they've performed exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. 
badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Together, we save balls. Just looking at the uh, the ladder now for the Big Bash as we reach the end of the year 2020. Plenty more matches to come in the Big Bash and it's hotting up, isn't it? There's a lot to look forward to, I think, over the next few weeks of this competition. I'm also just looking at the leading run scorers and the leading wicket takers in the competition, which is not something we've looked at on the uh, the Big Bash dailies just yet. But uh, that's starting to take shape a little bit. Callum Ferguson at the top of the tree for the Golden Bat, 197 runs. Daniel Hughes, 185. Colin Ingram, 185. Tim David, 181. Glenn Maxwell, 170. Nine uh, make up the top five for the the most runs in the competition. The Golden Arm, the most wickets. Wes Agar has eleven. Riley Meredith has ten. Peter Siddle ten. Liam Hatchett nine, and Kane Richardson nine. And one of the interesting things from that Ash is that you know we go back to Ricky Ponting's point. Only really Colin Ingram in the and in, in in the top five of the batting and. Uh, all of the top five of the bowlers, they're all Australian. So, yeah, the homegrown talent, despite regardless of where they're playing in the 11, are actually finding the feet and, and doing well. Yeah, I think the big bash has shown how much talent Australia has obviously got. And obviously a lot of them names, you'd say, are maybe more established and maybe more experienced Australian players. So you would expect them to be at the towards the top ends of these standings. But you've also got to think about some of the young names that have come through. Hatcher, you've just mentioned, has been fantastic with the ball. Um, you've got Ollie Davies doing really well with the bat. So there's, there's plenty of youngsters still coming through, no matter whether they're opening the batting and opening bowling or not. So I think the Aussies have got to be really happy in that regard. Tanvir Sanger, Michael, one of the ones you're looking out for, one of the youngsters. He's seventh in the in the ladder for the bowling, bowling with nine wickets so far. As, as Ash said, you know, it's a, it's a nice combination in the Big Bash so far. Established men are tending to lead the line, but you'd expect that because they're the experienced guys. But we're seeing some youngsters coming through too, which is always good. Yeah, absolutely. Guys like Josh Philippe, uh, Liam Hatcher, Tanvir Sanger that you've mentioned. Oliver Davies as well. He's one that's yeah. really stood out for me in the first half of this tournament. I think he's been fantastic with the bat. A fresh, a breath of fresh air likes to hit the ball hard. But for me as a leg spinner, I can't go past Tanvir Sanger. I think he's a bright young talent. You know, nine wickets at 13 in this kind of, uh, in this kind of environment, the best. T20 tournament in this part of the world and, and he's been doing exceptionally well uh, for the Sydney Thunder so I, I couldn't be happier for the kid he looks like he's got a bright future certainly does there's plenty around as well and the Big Bash will continue into 2021 and will of course be with you every single day through the rest of the competition up until the final on the 6th of February all that leaves me to say to you Badgers wherever you are in the world whether you're like Michael and you're already into next year or whether you're like me and Ash and you're still stuck in 2020 desperate to get out and try and find the hope that exists in 2021 we wish you a very very happy new year thank you for listening to the Big Bash Dailies and the Cricket Badger Podcast throughout 2020 Ash and Michael thank you for joining me happy new year to you both 
Cheers and Happy New Year to all. Pleasure. Happy New Year to everyone. I hope it's better than 2020 was. Let's bring it on. Well, it can't be worse. Surely, surely it can't be worse. Plenty to look forward to. I think vaccines and hopefully we'll get past COVID and we can get back to normal. Joy sport and the rest of our lives, well, hopefully better than we used to because we know what we're missing now, I think, in the 2020. Good luck to you all out there. Enjoy your New Year's Eve celebrations and have a very happy New Year. I've been James, the Cricket Badger, the Big Bash Daily. We'll be back tomorrow on New Year's Day and we'll see you then in 2021. Big Bash 10. Thanks for listening. We'll bring you another edition of the Cricket Badger Big Bash Daily Podcast in association with bluecrocodile.co.uk tomorrow. See you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.